Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to Marcus Meets, a show available via iTunes podcasts for Apple devices or Acast, which works on iPhone and Android. You can listen with whatever device you want by heading to marcusbronzy.com slash meets. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com slash meets. In this episode, we speak to the established radio broadcaster and television presenter, Nick Bright. He's known for his work on BBC Radio 1 Extra, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the weekends. He's also known for working with BBC Get Inspired, BBC Sport And you can hear him on MTV UK as well. Now, if you want a career in entertainment, Nick drops some great advice when he pops in for a chat. Um, His love for radio production really, really comes through and how that's affected his presenting. And also he discusses having a professional athlete for a girlfriend and how that's impacted his lifestyle health wise as well. Uh, For some reason, we were talking about our favorite YouTubers right before we uh, started and how making money may mean that they can afford teams to help them create more content in the future and how that might affect their output. Uh, And I mentioned one of my favorite YouTubers at the moment, KSI, and said it still seems like he has a big hand in his creative process and edits. Uh, And do you think he gets much help or do you think he hires much help, Nick? When you're earning as much as these YouTubers (laughs) earn through P, you can afford to hire people to come up with script ideas and it's all of that now it's it's next level it's like you got to think you know when a tv show's made it might be one person's idea but then mm. and look how many writers work on the tv show and stuff like that these youtubers the top 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 ones the execution is obviously still them because it has to be them because yeah. it's what they're about but then the the kind of inception yeah and the creation of the content there is way more people involved now because there's serious money at stake do you know what? Looking at his stuff, I still think he's got like a massive hand in his editing. No, no, I, I, I think, I, I think so as well. But I just think that there will be other people like involved with what cameraman happens. and stuff yeah, like, like his that, management yeah. company. Yeah, like yeah. he'll have writer. He'll have yeah. like there's a, there'll be a team. Yeah, because it's like stand up yeah. comedians. Yeah, stand up yeah. comedians, right? A lot of them don't write their own stuff. A lot of the most successful ones they have a writing team. Do you know what I mean? Like for example, Russell Howard. Yeah. I can tell you for a fact he doesn't write all of his own stuff. 
good news definitely there's a massive yeah, like, yeah. Like, Russell Howard's good news there's a massive team behind that because they like look at all news innit yeah. the guy that supports Russell Howard on tour I, I like forgive me I don't know his name off the top of my head because I've seen Russell Howard on tour and I like Russell Howard I think he's very funny yeah. but um, the guy that he's, he's his warm up act that's the guy who writes a lot of his material uh, it, it, let, let me rephrase that they don't write the comedian's material but they're on the writing team yeah. So it's like Russell Howard will be there helping yeah. with the writing, but he doesn't r- come up with it 100% himself. It's like rappers nowadays, man. Rappers <laughs> rappers nowadays are not, they're not coming up with 100% of the raps. Drake is not coming up with his raps. Mm. You've got to think of them like pop stars. Mm. Because people don't batter an eyelid that Beyonce doesn't write her own songs. Rihanna doesn't write her own songs. Nobody batters an eyelid, but because rappers nowadays even though nobody's come out and openly said i don't write my own songs but people know they don't people are going oh that's dead man rap music's not like it used to be which mm. is kind of true but at the same time back in the day when things were digit uh, when things were not digital people didn't have to come up with material as much as they do now man yeah. rappers need to come out with new songs every other week you need you need to be dropping heat every single week You've got to be doing something. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You can't just... It, it's too difficult now to be an artist, musical artist, and just like... You know how like certain guys used to release an album, then disappear for two years, then release another album, disappear for another two years? You can't do that now. Unless, you're, unless you are a heritage artist that is like got the absolute game on lock, got the, got the genre of music that you represent on lock, you can't just disappear. Yeah, you had to be big before this transition into sort of constant content. And and maybe that's why, um, to go back to YouTube, is maybe that's why they are doing so well now because they can churn out videos. Mm-hmm. Quick. You can churn out, you know, a 10-minute video every day if you needed yeah. to. And to turn around that sort of content and keep that, lo- that level of quality 10 years ago, even if you, even if it is just like face the camera, was so hard to yeah. do and just and upload quickly. Like, there was no super high-speed broadband yeah. 10 years ago. Broadband was, was... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I don't know, mate, mate, I don't know, this whole YouTube thing, I'm just... What, I don't know why I've returned to looking at some of these numbers and stuff, but, I like, some of these guys, their followings are ridiculous. Like, like KSI's got 13 million. Rodri. It's all right. don't know what that sound right. is, but, yeah. Yeah. KSI's got like 13 million followers, bro. There's like 10 million followers in uh, 10 million people in New York or something. So he's got more followers in New York. Anyway, all that aside, uh, yeah, I know who you are, mate. But like, what do you do for the listener? So I'm, uh, yeah, uh, my name's Nick Bright, and I'm, I guess I'm a radio presenter. That's that's what most people would know me as. I do I do a show on Radio One Extra Saturdays and Sundays, ten to one. Got to get the plug in, obviously. Um, but I'll generally just say presenter now because i'm starting to do a, quite a bit more visual stuff tv online yeah um do a bit for bbc sport um so yeah just just kind of presenter if that is a, a real job title it feels really weird to say it because like i didn't set out to be a presenter and like like i just said it's not it's not like a real job is it you know being a presenter it's not like you're grafting hard like you know back breaking work getting calluses on my hands you know what i mean it's none yeah. of that it's just like talking talk, talking some rubbish into a mic yeah. for 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 a job but yeah presenter nick bright how'd you get into it again like i said man like 
I never set out to be a presenter or a DJ. Um, I was DJ. I've been DJing since I was about 13 years old. Um, I bought my first pair of turntables. Didn't have belt drives. Um, I went straight in with direct drives. I luckily missed the belt drive wave. I'm sorry, Nick, Nick's getting a bit technical already. What's yeah. the difference between a belt drive and a, and a direct drive? Um, right, so a direct drive turntable will pretty much start off the the operating speed straight away this sounds so nerdy can i just say that like it's not even a nerdy thing a a, a belt drive turntable is dead it, like it's basically the type of turntable that if you stop the deck if you because we're talking vinyl here if you stop the deck and then let go of the deck for it to play again it will go like it's like proper so difficult to use them Mm. Uh, so i had a pair of direct drive turntables i bought like a cheap little package man like i can't even remember how much it was but it came with the mixer and two decks and a pair of headphones the deadest headphones ever um this is my parents bedroom man that was when i was about 13 years old something like that yeah uh not my parents bedroom sorry my 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 house in uh, my bedroom in my parents house and um from then i kind of knew that i really enjoyed djing because my my the person that got me into music was my brother my brother's a rapper still rapping now to this day he's a battle rapper called tenchu and um he just used to listen to hip-hop music and because of that i got into music um that's when i got the decks uh and then kind of fell in love with trying to mix basically i couldn't do it i was terrible when i first started you know really really bad laughably bad but um i liked it it was a hobby it was something that i didn't think was going to go anywhere i didn't think it was going to turn into a job i didn't think i'd make a career out of it uh but fast forward a little bit uh i ended up getting a radio show on a community radio station in portsmouth my parents moved to portsmouth by now because I'm, I'm from croydon originally but then my parents moved to portsmouth when i was about 16 and um there's a station in Portsmouth called Express FM, little community station, still down there now, doing really, really well, man. But um, I got a show on Express FM presenting with the guy that I still live with now, like a guy yeah. called Mike Wooler. He actually does a, sh- a show on Capital FM now. So like, I'm on One Extra and he's on Capital, but we still live together. It's like known him for years, cool guy. And um, Do you drop a lot of puns in the house? Is there is there a little bit of rivalry? Do we, do we try and out-radio each other? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we're in the kitchen, like, Hello and welcome to the kitchen. Today I'm using the oven. <laughs> like, no, there's none of that really. No, I thought it'd be like subtle ones, like, uh, how many sugars do you want? I'll have one extra. Uh, no, 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 no. Not, not even, not even. <laughs> I'm going to capitalise on the fact there's no milk. Um, no, we, we, we don't really. Like, to be honest with you, we do talk quite a lot about the radio industry because it's like what we both do. Yeah. But we mainly talk about it in a in a sense of like um you know day-to-day stuff rather than like I don't know like trying to be funny. We we just talk about like if there's any changes or if someone done something amazing on a show or yeah. whatever like stuff like that. And then aside from that, we just talk about Pokemon Go. Because that is the the kind of buzzword at the moment, the buzz game. Yeah, you know, Nick, we we will get back to that. I promise you. Yeah, you were in the middle of your epic story yeah, yeah, of, your, yeah. of your rise to radio glory. Yeah, I'll try and I'll try and get through it quicker because I mean this is going to take up the whole podcast at this rate. <laughs> but um, yeah, basically, so Express FM, uh, I joined there with with Mike Wooler. We used to do a Friday night kind of UK urban music show together. Yeah, um, and then 
decided I wanted to go to uni. At that time, I was studying radio production at college because I started getting into my music production. Yeah. Uh, But that never really took off for me. I didn't enjoy it that much because sitting in front of a computer, it felt just a little bit like an office job. I know it's completely not because you're producing music, but you're still just sitting in front of a computer. And I don't know, I I just didn't enjoy it. I liked hearing the end product of stuff that I was creating, but the process... You know, I've got quite a short attention span, basically. Like, so the process of making music just took too long for me. So I loved music technology. I loved that side of things, music production. But I also loved radio. I fell in mm. love with radio when I was doing Express FM. So I was like, what can I do that combines these two things together? And then I found a radio production course at Westminster University, which was back in London. So yeah. I, I joined that course, moved back to London, studied radio production at uni, then while I was there, I managed to uh, start applying for some jobs because one of one of the big things for me, and if there's anyone listening to this podcast that you know um, wants to break into radio or is young and is you know wondering what they want to do with their life, or whatever, my biggest piece of advice whenever I go to colleges, uni, whatever, is if you are studying something and you want to get a job in that field, start applying for jobs immediately. Why wait? Do not wait until you finish uni and then start applying for a job. Because when you finish uni, you haven't got funding coming in. You ain't got no uni loan. You either have to move back with your parents, right? Which for a lot of people might not be in London or might not be in the city where you want to work. And then you have to get a job. And 90% of your time is taken up doing a job that you don't like, a job you don't want to do, a job that you could have done before you went to uni. So for me, a big thing that I wanted to do was when I was at uni, I applied for jobs at One Extra, Radio One Extra. Yeah. Big entry-level jobs, broadcast assistant, which is like the, the, the lowest-level production job, foot in the door. So I applied for these jobs, and I kept getting knocked back. And then, But then eventually I got an interview for one. By now, I'm in my second year of uni. So I got an interview for a job. Again, I was unsuccessful, but once you've had an interview at the BBC, you can get feedback directly from the people that interviewed you, who are people that work here. Mm. So um, I managed to get some feedback from one of the editors. He just said, you needed a bit more industry. I needed a bit more industry experience. So I just emailed him back and was like, well, can I come in and get some? And then luckily he emailed back saying, yeah, sure. Here's the person you need to contact blah 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 and then it rolled on from that started coming in making cups of tea you know the usual cliched stories but that is how it works making cups of tea on a guy called twin b show he used to do saturdays and sundays 10 until one um on one extra and now i present that show actually that's the show that i present so it's like it's really weird it's like almost full circle there um so yeah i, I was making tea on his show to, to bring you fully up to speed making tea on his show managed to um do that for the whole summer at the end of the summer, they told me I couldn't keep coming in for free anymore because it's unfair on other people and stuff like that. So I was really sad. But then a week later, at the, the, the start of my third year of uni, um, I got a phone call saying somebody's phoned in sick. Can you come and do a paid cover shift Yeah. on Mr. Jam's show? I was like, of course. <laughs> so I was gassed. I was like, of course. Like I've been doing this for free and now you're going to pay me. And it's the job I want when I finish uni anyway. So I came in. And never left, man. Um, still managed to finish my degree. Got two one my radio production degree, which is which was nice because that's what I set out to get. Good. Yeah. Um, and then working on Mr. Jam's show, he used to talk to me on air. The management liked how it sounded. They asked me to put in a demo. Recorded one by myself one night. 
you know, no bells and whistles, just like went in one of the studios on my own, played some music that I liked, done a little bit of talking in between the music. And the next thing I know, I was in the, the, the big management office with the big man manager, Ben Cooper, who's like the boss of Radio 101 Extra. And he was offering me a show. You know, I was, I was flabbergasted because like I said, genuinely, when I say this, I never set out to be a DJ or presenter. I wanted to work in production. I studied radio production at uni, had a production job at One Extra, and then I just fell into it, man. And nice. I, it's, a, it's a great thing. I love my job. Like, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to be doing the job that I do, but it's one of those things that just happened. And, like, obviously now if it got taken away, I'd be absolutely gutted because I've had a taste of it. But, like, if it didn't happen before, I wouldn't be gutted because it's not what I was chasing. Yeah. So, you know... I, that's, that's a piece of advice i not not advice because everybody has different routes everybody in this industry has a different route but like one thing i always say to people is nine times out of ten when you chase and chase and chase and hound something it's harder to get it runs away from you that's not saying you should sit on your ass and not do anything at all but like you, you sometimes you have to almost kind of take a back seat and go right this isn't happening for me this way maybe i can get it that way instead mm. so like you know, I managed to do it the way that I did it. Same as Annie Mac by working in production. Annie Mac used to work in production at Radio One before she became the massive brand and DJ that she is now. Mm-hmm. Jam Supernova, who's on One Extra, worked in production. But not everybody goes that route. And that's a common misconception as well. A lot of people think, well, I, I want to be a presenter. All I want to do is do, be a DJ. They get a job in production and then they resent working in production because they're not a DJ. Uh, there's loads of other people, though, like Trevor Nelson you know um charlie sloth who were mcs or big djs or whatever mm. and they've got in through being in the music industry so yeah. you know everybody's got a different route it's just that's how it happened for me wicked wicked and sorry uh, about the, sorry about a super long story no nah, it's always good good luck with good that to, in the edit no nah, it's always good to hear that nick because um even though obviously i've yeah i've known you for a little while so i was aware of that sort of transition that you're doing in i remember when you worked at work experience man i remember that mark experience at one extra you know what i mean i, 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 I made my, my fair shares of teas as well and yeah, uh, everybody's got to do it yeah. though, and i feel like i almost feel like if you if you don't do that you haven't earned your stripes man y- yeah in a in a way yeah, like in media in like, media yeah you got it's good to know ground up because i mean well, obviously I, I i had a similar route didn't i because I did yep. a few stints at One Extra and I came up through the same one. And, and I genuinely loved production, like mm-hmm. to the point where, because there was a point when you were producing and presenting as well. Yeah, they overlapped each other. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, and that's that's a that's an interesting point because you you're doing both. Like you're getting a taste of being on air, but you're also getting to do the production stuff, yeah. which is lovely as well. Like, um, I'm gonna edit this out, but um, there was a point when I was, or maybe I shouldn't. You tell me. Um, there was a point when I was covering CJ Beats's show specialist show and i was doing a, a breakfast show on a weekend when i yep. was covering and then you know at one point in the week cj's or the specialist dj is supposed to email the production team the mix yeah so i had to email myself the Great. mix <laughs> <laughs> and put it into the system <laughs> but um but yeah that, so that was your routine and, and obviously you're smashing it as a broadcaster now do you think your production experiences form the type of broadcast you are because every radio presenter has a different way of doing things i've noticed you're quite technical yeah i think i think most definitely like i pride myself on knowing exactly like what i'm doing in the studio because you know this is this is 
by no means any disrespect to any DJs because, you know, it's not their job to know the, the, the broadcast desk inside out. That's why they've got a production team and all the rest of it. But I like knowing exactly, you know, what I'm doing on the desk. I like knowing exactly what's on what fader, how I can put an echo on my voice, you know, everything. I'm 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 quite a, a nerd when it comes to radio because of my production background. Cause I studied radio production and I worked here in production. And I think based on, you know, working with a lot of different producers, radio producers, they like that as well. They like knowing that they don't have to be on edge when I'm on air. Um, because sometimes if the DJ is less technically aware of what they're doing, the producer has to almost, you know, always be around the presenter's side of the desk, making sure that they're staying on top of the faders. They're not going to play something out by accident or fade the wrong thing down or blah, 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 blah. But with me, like my producer, my production team can just sit around the other side and let me get on with it because like they know technically they haven't got anything to worry about. You know, that's not me saying I'm the best broadcaster because broadcasting is it's not about technical ability really like obviously that comes into it but broadcasting and being a good presenter is is more about you know how you sound how you engage your stories what you talk about how funny you are so you know there's plenty of people out there that are better than me at that side of things you know what i mean i'm not claiming to be the best guy but when it comes to technical ability i would say you know without sounding like i'm blowing my own trumpet because i'm not that guy but i would say i'm definitely you know in the top tier of presenters that know how to use the desk and know what they're doing for example if my producer for whatever reason got stuck on a tube train because of signal failure or whatever on the way to work and he didn't make it for the start of the show i'd be able to start the show without him whereas a lot of djs wouldn't know how to do that someone who would know how to do that is mr jam as well it's worth mentioning he's very technically he likes understanding everything yeah, if I push a button, I do like to know what it does. Are you the yeah. sort of guy that when you get like a new a new like bit of electrical equipment like TV or mm-hmm. everything, you like to push all the buttons, go to the menu and try it all out? Listen, my girlfriend, I'm just like that in life. My girlfriend hates this about me. Like she hates it, right? If we book a holiday or we're going to a hotel or we're going anywhere, even if it's in the UK, I'm doing bare extensive research. Like, I'm going on TripAdvisor and reading every review. (laughs) Like, obviously, for some, when they've got thousands of reviews, you can't go through every review. But, like, when I went to Thailand, for example, we stayed in quite a new place in Thailand. This is a proper sidetrack from what we're chatting about. But just proves the type of person I am. We stayed in quite a new, um, you know, accommodation place. And um, I just looked at every review for like on the of the whole place all the different pictures what people were saying what's around what's to do blah 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 and my girlfriend's like why can't you just go somewhere and like learn when you get there you know just like soak it all in why do you need to know exactly what you're doing and i'm like i don't know i just i can't help it i can't help, even if it's a hotel in the uk even if it's in london the city that i live in i will still go on TripAdvisor and be like so what are people saying about this hotel <laughs> like like yeah i like to know exactly what i'm getting like and I, I can't help it it's just like the type of person that i am i think so when it comes to like pressing buttons i like to know exactly what's going to happen and what's going to come out because i don't want to press a button and uh i don't know take the station off air yeah, everything stopped <laughs> and you, yeah. those things have happened in the past yeah, <laughs> yeah that has happened it's um the e- best of us even with experienced presenters as well yeah um so you notice other bro- uh, you mentioned other broadcasters as well who else do you rate as a broadcaster there's loads i mean in this building, the best 
he says when he says that he means bbc the bbc radio yeah building. sorry yeah the bbc radio building um the best technical presenter for me has to be scott mills i think um so slick so good everything he does he knows exactly what he's he doesn't say it something for the sake of saying it even though on air you would never know you know it feels really just like natural and feels really you know conversational and easy to listen to and blah 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 but he knows exactly what he's doing in every link he you know it's amazing really really amazing when he does innuendo bingo it's so slick on the on the desk he's somebody who knows it inside out so good chris moyles was really really good as well when he was at radio one i don't obviously you know I, he's at radio x and he's still doing his thing now mm. i don't know how good he is like at radio x in comparison to when he was at radio one but i'm sure he's still just as good um greg james is also really good on radio one uh, on the one extra side of things uh i would say my favorite presenter on one extra is trevor nelson just because he's he's an OG, you can't deny it. And again, so comfortable on air because that's something that a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with, being comfortable on air. A lot of us have cruxes. Even I have them, as as in like things that, you know, when I can't think of something to say or when I feel like my stories run out and I'm and I'm not going anywhere with it. I've got like fallback phrases, things that I'll fall back on, things that I'll say. But like Trevor's just really comfortable and content with being himself on air and can deliver a story and then just you know play a track but it, it like it all fits together really nicely it flows good mm. um and then you've got charlie sloth as well who uh totally different style of broadcasting in that um you know he's not he's not somebody who you would call a traditional broadcaster like trevor nelson like scott you know but he's really good at what he does in terms of just it's just crazy. Uh, all I would say is if you ever listen to one extra in between uh, 4pm and 6pm, Monday to Friday, you're in for a ride with Charlie Stock <laughs> because, yeah, he, he just does all these crazy things, man. Like, one of my favourite things that he's ever done is he used to do a thing. I don't know if he still does it if, or if it's, like, one-offs, but he did a thing called Charlie Sloth's Call Centre, and it was just mad. Like, it was it was like he would just be put... He would get a caller on the phone, and then he'd just be putting on bare different voices like pretending to be like different departments in a call center so it'd be like you're right yeah it's charlie it's charlie here in the call center you're through to finance oh oh, you want someone in accounts so hang on i've got to put you on hold and then he'd put on some mad music that you would never hear on one extra which was like the whole hold music so it'd be like the cartoons like ooh, ee, ooh, uh, uh, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. like he'd do that and then like he'd pick up the phone again with a different accent and a different voice like it was just really funny um so yeah, he's he's crazy and someone else that I rate as as a broadcaster in, in you know his style and what he's done to attract new listeners to the station. Yeah, he's definitely done that. And in terms of listening to other radio cuz you're a radio fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, big radio fan, man. What other sort of radio stations do you listen to? I listen to Talk Sport a lot. Yeah. Um big sport fan, you know, big Arsenal fan. So I I I, re- I really like listening to Talk Sport because I think the guys do a great job over there um engaging the audience that likes sport um and it's a real skill as well it's worth saying that as a broadcaster our job is to talk but there's different types of broadcasters i'm a i'm a music broadcaster predominantly so my job is to talk in between the tracks the tracks take most of the load 
I do a bit of talking then play a track sports broadcasters or the guys on talk sport generally there's no music on talk sport they're talking for two hours three hours straight mm. it's normally it's it's, it's the pretty much always a co-host because i mean you know to talk for three hours on your own boy that would be hard yeah um but you know to talk for that amount of time knowledgeably about stuff and be entertaining um and funny those guys do a really really good job um over there and i listen to um ricky melvin and charlie on kiss sometimes on the kiss fm breakfast show those guys do their thing as well manny norte on capital extra um Sometimes I flick between him and Trevor, but don't tell Trev. Because, um, you know, I think I like Manny as well. I think he's a really engaging guy. I know him quite well. Because the radio industry, you know, if you're listening to this and, and you, you've, never, you've never worked in radio, you don't know about the radio, from the outside looking in, you might think, oh, it's a massive industry, blah, blah, It's really not, man. Everybody knows everybody. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Manny Norte is somebody that I've known for quite a while now from the jump off days because he's he used to dj at an event called the jump off hip-hop event and uh yeah just a cool guy good show as well yeah Ma- mean- manny norte i think manny norte still holds the record for the amount of hours in one week broadcasting on one extra because manny norte used to be on one extra back in the day yeah yeah sorry <laughs> and uh keep that in if you want yeah we'll do. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah basically manny was covering for somebody on a daytime show. Yeah. Then he was on air doing his show or something on the weekend. And then he'd done a couple of like specialist covers during the same week. So it was like, it was like Manny Norte FM, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm sure his bank account was thankful. for. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a record, <laughs> a record week for his bank account. Yeah, exactly. out there. So yeah, that's the radio side of things. I mean, broadcaster wise, where can you see yourself going in the future as a, as a broadcaster? You said you're a music broadcaster. Mm-hmm. You said that's that's like you're very technical. Where can you see yourself going radio wise? Broadcasting wise, I, I'd like to move into sports broadcasting. Yeah, because you know, as we've already established, I'm a big fan of sport. Really, really enjoy sport, and um, you know, th- the fact that as a sports broadcaster, if you can become a commentator or a presenter or whatever, you get to go to so many amazing events, man. Like. I'm going to the Olympics this year because I'm watching my girlfriend compete in the Olympics, which is pretty cool. But mm. like, I'm not. I'm I'm going there and doing some work. But imagine like going there because you work for a radio station and they want you to do some commentary or whatever. You get to go all around the world to some of the biggest events that people would pay untold money for, and you get to bring it to an audience that aren't there in an engaging and you know entertaining way. Mm. And for me, that's that's quite a buzz. Like, yeah. I like I like the idea of that. And is that in a, in a radio capacity you're interested in doing that or in a, in a TV capacity? Because as a radio presenter, it's interesting when you listen to sports radio, they can paint the picture yeah. for you with oh, words yeah, only. Whereas when you're watching it on the TV, yeah. they can get away with just, you know, dropping a, yeah, yeah, a, well, a, a bit of conversation because all the visuals are there. Here's an example, man. It's like when you watch football on the telly, listen to the commentators next time you're watching a game, right? How much space there is between stuff they say so a commentator might say something you know blah 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 blah. then there'll just be silence for ages mm. obviously not complete silence because you've got the actuality of the game and there's ambience mics around or whatever but there'll be just be loads of silence if you listen to radio commentary of the same match there's never silence because 
they like you say literally have to describe everything so they have to do you know like bronzy marcus bronzy's got it on the wing and then he passes it to bright who's in the center circle bright looks up and he sees smith who's running uh, down the left wing he switches the play blah blah there's so much of you mm. know that that goes on um so I think if you're asking me which one I'd prefer to do, it would probably just <laughs> be TV because it's less work. A little easier. It's easier, yeah. Um, but, you know, f- for me, Eva, Eva is, is, is good for me. Um, I'd love to do TV. I'd love to do, to, to do radio. But specifically, I think it's worth me pointing out that I'm not trying to be a commentator or uh, the, next, the next Gary Lineker or anything like that because... Yeah. You know, those guys are serious sports people and I'm not a serious guy. I'm like, I play music on one extra and like like playing fart sound effects on air over the top of it. Mm. Stupid, dumb shit like that because that's just what I do. Um, so the side of things that I'm more into is like the lifestyle things. You know what I mean? You know, like sometimes on YouTube or like even on the BBC Sport website or whatever, you'll see like, pieces with sports people but it's like them going back to their first ever i don't know like football team meeting the players there like i like doing the lifestyle things like that with them mm. um, or like playing against them in a match or doing a kick-up competition against them or whatever stuff like that um because i think that fits my style more because i'm not a journalist as well it's worth bearing that in mind man most of the people that you see who are you know commentators or doing the real kind of newsy stuff they're trained journalists man they trained for years for that i'm not a journalist i can't do what they do like i can't push someone on a question if they don't want to answer it really because you know i don't want to fall out with them <laughs> <laughs> is that an element is that a side that you'd like to add to them maybe like that that element of interview technique or yes and no like you know i can push someone you know that was just a, a lazy example like but at the same time, I don't want people to think I'm a journalist because, you know, as I mentioned, my girlfriend's a track and field athlete and I've met quite a lot of the track and field athletes in a um, non-professional environment, you know, just out and about when I'm with my girlfriend and, you know, we might go for dinner with another athlete or go to, to, the, go to a bar or a nightclub or whatever. And I don't want them to think... Don't want them to feel like, you know, I'm in the presence of a journalist here. Like, oh, I'll be careful what I say or careful what I do because this guy's a journalist. Because I ain't a journalist. I'm, I'm really not. Like, it's all too serious for me, all of that. Yeah, like the expose side of things. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to do that. Like, and, and I don't want to feel like, I don't want people to ever feel like I'm somebody who's out to get them or is willing to stab them in the back and you know i'm not saying that about all journalists but a journalist is out there to to it it, it, to extract news do you know what i mean at the end of the day a journalist will they always tell the truth you know that's what they can't lie but like a journalist is out there to find a story that they feel like the readers of their publication or the listeners or the viewers would like to see um whereas me i don't really want to search out news stories i just want to do stuff that i think's fun stuff that i enjoy yeah i mean and you already you are you are getting involved in the sports side of things though aren't you like you've already done some work in that area yeah yeah i'm doing a few bits and bobs man i went to wimbledon a couple weeks ago which was cool i was working there doing a thing called wimbledon bingo which uh involved me basically uh 
making a fool of myself. I'm Nick Bright and I'm here at Wimbledon today, right in front of Murray Mound. And today I'm going to be playing Wimbledon Bingo. It's a game that we've made up where I'm going to be set some challenges and I've got to complete as many as possible before the day is out. I see you've got some strawberries and cream. Tradition of Wimbledon. Yeah, can I, uh, yeah, can I blag a strawberry? Yeah. Can you feed it to me? All right, yeah. you, you ate someone else's food. Did yeah. you really do that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, had to, I had to get someone to spoon feed me strawberries and cream. It's Wimbledon, isn't it? Like, wow. I was like, can't we get someone to like give me some of their pims as well? But you know, they didn't want to. They didn't want to, uh, you know, advertised alcohol on the BBC. <laughs> I was like, come on, man, can't we at least get some pims? So you like the fun stuff, obviously. That that's a funny video. Check that out. That's on the BBC website. Uh, just go to BBC Sport. Yeah, or just find it? a BBC Sport website. Like, yeah. it's, it's it'd be way way down now because I mean Wimbledon's been finished for a little while. But mm. you'll be able to find it on there if you really want it. Yeah, underneath all the Rio stuff. Yeah, about exactly. to but you also do some quite inspirational stuff though, don't you, as well with the BBC. Like you, I know you like to have fun, but you also do some quite quite um, influential bits. Yeah, I mean I, I I I present for a division of the BBC called Get Inspired, which is like it's basically set up after London twenty twelve and the whole point of it is to encourage people to take up sport. And stuff like that so it's kind of all to do with the olympic legacy and um i do a thing called the fa people's cup for them and it's like an it's a nationwide five-a-side t- football tournament which runs alongside the actual fa cup and then the winners of the competition in all the different categories there's like disability football walking football veterans reg- like um you know under uh, 14s under 16s men women so many different categories and um, the winners get their trophies on the pitch at halftime Wembley during the FA Cup final. So it's a big deal, man. It's, it's really, really good. And, you know, I, I do that. And it's something that I enjoy doing alongside the other stuff that I do. Um, it's, you know, I know I said that I like the fun stuff and I like having fun. But I also feel like things like that are really important because you're highlighting, you know, a lot of people's stories who, you know, they would never really get the shine. They would never get, you know, news pieces done about them because they're just regular people like you and I. So um, that's nice sometimes to do that. Um, and I really enjoy it. It's going on BBC Two next year as well. So it's growing. So it'll be on actual telly. You want to be on actual telly? Yeah, yeah on the real TV. You can oh, yeah. Sky Plus it if you want or, or Virgin Plus it, whatever you got. Yeah. Viva, uh, what's it called again? Whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Stream. Yeah, Virgin TiVo box it. TiVo, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Virgin TiVo. Wicked, huh? oh man, congrats, man. I didn't know he's going to go on BBC Two. So yeah, man, look forward to seeing yeah, your no, face on a, on a proper TV. It's exciting. It's, it's I'm doing, I'm doing, and I, I feel like this, this whole podcast is like an advert for my career. <laughs> I feel like I'm just <laughs> harping on about my career, but I'm doing, um, something I'm really, really excited about. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not afraid to say when I'm excited about something because I feel like what happens in our industry and, and in our lives in general, not just people that work here, just, in life in general sometimes you take like your wins for granted so like when you do well sometimes you um you don't celebrate it or you don't want people to publicly know how happy you are about something because you've got this persona like you've got to try and act as if you expect everything to happen oh i'm taking this in my stride because you know it's like gonna happen you know i'm a big deal or whatever like i don't act like that I'm I'm going to be presenting some uh, interviews for Football Focus this year, which is like, um, if you don't watch football, it's on BBC One, kind of midday-ish before the games start, just to kind of like throw forward to some of the games. And it's like a really big show. It's like, it's like one step down in the sport ladder from Match of the Day, which is obviously the biggest sporting 
brand in the UK. Um, so for me, that is like amazing. And I'm super gassed that I'm going to be doing that. I'm really, really excited. Um, and I can't wait to get started with that, man. It's happening this season. I don't have any more details other than that, but like, I'm really happy that I'm getting the opportunity to do it, especially because I weren't even trying to be a presenter, like I said. Just fell into it. Exactly. <laughs> Enjoying the ride. Yeah. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, man. Are you also into other things as well, Danny? I know you're into your game. You're into TV. You're yeah, a TV yeah. guy, though, right? I like I like TV. You know, I'm get, I'm nowadays I'm getting less and less time to actually watch TV, but like because, you know, things like the wonderful invention that is the internet. I mean, who knew about that? Uh, you know, I can watch things whenever I want. So some of the things that I'm really, really into at the moment, obviously Game of Thrones, got to the end of that. Again, don't want to really say that much about it because people listening to this might not have seen it all. Because so, I, I watched it late. I can't get into it, Nick. So how 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 can you get into it? Ron? You need to watch it. Like, because I, I'll be completely honest with you. I wasn't into it. I tried to watch Game of Thrones about two years ago. I watched the first series, not when it was on TV. It was about two years ago. I tried to watch the first series. And I turned it on. And they were just talking about this wall. And, you know, talking in this ye olde English, oldie farty talk. And I was like, this ain't for me, bro. This is some Shakespeare stuff. And I just I just threw it in the bin. Watched, you know, not literally. I threw it in the uh, metaphorical bin. The 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 trash can yeah the trash can in your exactly. computer and emptied yeah yeah so I I I, I, I for, for two years I just weren't in on it people were oh my god Jon Snow blah blah I was like yeah whatever the only Jon Snow I know about is Channel Four News crazy socks like, <laughs> I, I ain't watching Game of Thrones whatever whatever but then my girlfriend watched it right and she she said I'm gonna give it a go blah 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 and I was like yeah whatever I'm not gonna watch that yeah you you do that love blah blah, blah. she watched it. And then she got halfway through season one and she was like, oh, my God, I'm so involved. And then I was I was a bit intrigued because I know my girlfriend really well. You know, you, you know, you know, you know someone really well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, 
Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Because I thought, if it's rubbish, she's not going to like it. Because I know her really well, I know what kind of things she likes. And we generally tend to agree on TV shows and stuff like that. So because she liked it, I was like, boy, man man, man has to go back and give that a second viewing. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I did, I stuck with it. Again, halfway through season one, I was like, flipping hell. This is good. What I will say, though, right, and this is this is not a spoiler because I'm not going to mention any names, but just don't get attached to anyone. Yeah, I've noticed that people just die. Yeah. I don't know. I still, I don't, I just, I don't, it don't get me. I know this is going to piss you off probably because 99% of the world does watch Game of Thrones, yeah. but I, I, I just don't care. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Love Breaking Bad. Yeah. Loved it. Breaking I loved Bad. it from the first episode. Breaking Bad is sick. Yeah. But I think if you, I think if you, did you watch Game of Thrones all the way to the end of the first season? I watched episode? the first season and then was like. So you watched the first I, season and you yeah. still weren't involved? I sped watched the first season. So I, I binged the first season and then at the end of the first season, when I saw Dragons, I was, I turned off the television and went, done with that. You went, nope. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally, I saw, I saw the Dragons and I was like, this is not for me. Right. And just stepped away and, right. and, and went and watched something else. Like, I don't know. I, I'll try it again, Nick. I promise you, I'll try it again. Next time we sit down and have a chat. No, I'm not going to promise you. <laughs> what, what you should have done, man, is that I know you you recently come back from holiday. Yeah. Um, you should have you should have just got it for the plane. You know oh I mean? yes, plane watching. Yeah. So you're into TV. Um, what what else are you into? I mean, I like to think you're into a bit of tech because you do help mm-hmm. us out on our on our brother podcast, uh, How to Kill an Hour. Yeah. Uh, would you call yourself a techie guy or? Yes and no. Like I, I do, like I do like technology, right? But this is going to sound stupid because I'm wearing an Apple Watch as we speak. But I do like technology, but only if it's necessary. This <laughs> <laughs> is stupid, isn't it? But yeah. like, my girlfriend bought me my Apple Watch as a as a present. Fair enough. So like you know, I didn't go out and buy it myself because I will say the whole thing with you know the the kind of smartwatches now is I don't think even to this day at the moment, that they are worthy of me going out to buy it for myself. I don't think it's a necessity. You know, like you need your phone to live in the 21st century. You yep. need to have a smartphone now. I, these guys who are still rolling around with Nokias and stuff like that, I don't know how they're getting through life. <laughs> I don't know how. But smartwatches, I wouldn't feel comfortable going out and spend 400 quid on a smartwatch because it doesn't enhance my life that much an extra thing to charge that's it's, how i feel it's nice right if mm. some when someone texts text me and i don't have to get my phone out of my pocket i can just look at my watch and read the text but it's not 400 quid you know worth 400 500 600 quid if you want to buy the expensive expensive ones you know mm. like what just for the convenience of not having to pull my phone out no yeah. you're all right i'd rather get my phone out kind of thing but i am into my tech yeah like, I, I like when new stuff drops i'm interested and i'm also one of these people right because my mum you know, my mum is a technophobe, proper. She don't, she just doesn't get it. She doesn't get Twitter. She doesn't get email. She doesn't get anything like that. She doesn't, like my mum is one of those people went back in the day. This is how old I'm taking it right now because it's quite on trend as well because this week they announced, this is this is one for How to Kill an Hour. They announced that they're going to stop making uh, VCRs. Yes, the, la- the last VCR yeah. was made, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. A, you can do that on How to Kill Now this yeah, week. Yeah. But um, my mum was one of those people that just 
had no idea how to set the VCR, even though she wanted to record something every single week and all the rest. Of it. She still had no idea. I had to get my dad to do it all the time. But I'm one of those people. I'm the opposite in terms of like, if I get a piece of tech, I want to know every single thing about it, every single trick that I can do, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also one of those people that as I've got older in life, I never want to get left behind. You know how like old people get left behind and then it's like, they're not part of the conversation anymore. Right, right. I don't want to be that guy, but I don't want to be like, you know, the 40-year-old is hanging out with 18-year-olds. That's not what I want to do. I want to be the 40-year-old that understands the technology that 18-year-olds are using still. So you understand the relevance and you understand the phrase. Kind of what you do now as a broadcaster, like 16 to 25 is the demographic. So you're down with this for BBC Radio 1 Extra. You're down with the slang, down with the music. Yeah. You're down with what they're into. You can get away with the slang, though, at my age because you're not, you're not like, you know, I'm not that far out of the demographic. Yeah. I, I am out of the demographic, 29, but like, I'm not that far out of it. So it's yeah. like, you can, I can get away with the slang. But what I'm saying is when you're 45, 50, and you're trying to chat, <laughs> hey, like, kids. like, but like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like when your parents like try and say blood and fam and like, it's dead. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, my dad does it as a joke, but like, you know, I think when you get to a certain age, you have to, you obviously have to act accordingly yeah. to what you do and, and you have to change the way you speak yeah. in terms of, you know, you, you don't want to start being that cheesy dad who's trying to be like cool with the kids, but like you can still be that dad who like talks and acts in a specific way so yeah. that your kids don't think, dad, you're so embarrassing, yeah. but you can understand their tech. And I, and I think it's imperative now as well. I think that because things have changed so much in terms of like, you know, youngsters now, man, like my nephew, for example, my nephew must be about six, seven, no older than eight anyway. And like, you know, he's on you. He's I don't know if he's got a YouTube um, account or whatever, but he's on YouTube watching PewDiePie, watching KSI, watching all these guys. And, um, you know, things have changed. These kids, that's what they're doing. And if you're, if you don't understand what they're doing, how can you regulate it? How can you mm. make sure your kids are safe mm. online? Like, so for me, I always want to understand what's going on just so, like, and this sounds like such a serious point now, but it's like, it's true though, isn't it? Like, you, you, I just want to understand what kids are doing online, what, 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 where they're at. Cause I don't want to turn into a dinosaur. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to be the T-Rex with the small hands. Like. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yes. Um. So, Nick, your uh, your girlfriend is a professional athlete. Yeah, that's that's another aspect of my life. She's um she does the heptathlon, which is seven different disciplines, um, seven different events in the whole thing. So. I will list the seven for you. It's the 100 meter hurdles uh, and then the high jump. Then after the high jump, it's the shot put. Then after the shot put, it's the 200 meters and that's on day one. Then they come back for day two and then on day two, they open with the long jump. Then they go into the javelin and then they finish with the 800 meters. So that's all in order. And that it. It's always it always takes two days yeah, to do it's that across two days. The women do the heptathlon, which is seven events, and yeah. the men do the decathlon, which is ten events, across two days again. And the men, it's even more brutal because the last event is the fifteen hundred meters, which is super knackering. I'm going to show my ignorance here. I had no idea that they did it all over two days. Yeah, I thought yeah. they like spread it out like 
an event a day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, two days. So they, 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 they normally have four sessions. So a morning session, then an afternoon session on day one, and then the same on day two. And are there heats and stuff, or is it just all... No, no, no heats, because it's all points-based, the heptathlon, heptathlon. So how it works, for each event, you get points based on your time in the running events or your distance in the throwing events or your height in the mm. jumping or, or distance, height in the long jump, uh, yeah. height in the high jump, distance in the long jump. Yeah. You get a certain amount of points for every single event. Yeah. So, like, you know, the people, coaches always say, because it's weird, because I know so much about it now because it's just what happens when you go out with someone if, if, if your if your girlfriend or boyfriend is a librarian or a policeman or mm. you know whatever you end up learning about their job don't of course you? of course so um you know i'm a fan i've always been a fan of athletics and it just so happens that i've ended up dating an athlete an athlete so um you know i knew some about it anyway in the fact that i go out of her now i feel like i'm an expert but i'm far <laughs> from it she would tell you that herself but um um I can't even remember the point I was making now. You were just discussing the um, point system, the point system, and just how brutal yeah. this sort of. Oh, uh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah, so coaches will always tell you that to execute the perfect heptathlon is so difficult because you've got a, you've got to get, a, you've got to get near your personal best in seven different events and it very rarely happens very very rarely does does a, does a heptathlete get near their personal best in every single event there's always one that might let them down yeah like they'll, they'll mess up in one of the events and then they'll have to pull the points back in another one yeah. um so it's not like any other uh, other event like a lot of people get confused when they watch the heptathlon because like i said there's seven events there's points at stake you know someone might be really, really good at the running events and then really rubbish at the jumping events and stuff like that. So it's like, it's really confusing. Unless you know the event, you tend to not really know what's going on because mm. you might watch it. You might watch it when, you know, an athlete is throwing the shot put and they're getting really, really high. And you're like, well, that person's smashing it. They're obviously going to win. Mm. And then you'll watch them in the 200 meters and they're like stone last by yeah. miles. So like, it's really hard to judge it. But what I will say is, at the moment, the, the 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 top people in it are Jessica Ennis Hill, obviously the Olympic champion, defending yep. her title in Rio yep. next month. Um, Canadian girl called Brianne Tyson Eaton. She her boyfriend or husband is actually the world record holder in the decathlon. Right, Ashton Eaton. So right. he's, like, he's got the world record in the ten event, okay. the ten, the men's ten eventer, and then she does the the heptathlon seven right. eventer. And they train together, live together. Like, imagine right. that. Do like they're on the same circuit. It must be a bit mad, isn't it? It's like going to work exactly in the office yeah. next to your other half, yeah, and then coming peak. home again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know for a fact that Cat would hate it if I was a professional <laughs> athlete. Boy, it would be like should be like piss off. Yeah, yeah. like throw a javelin through my head. <laughs> um and then yeah the third one is katarina johnson thompson my girlfriend she's there she's the, yeah. the 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 other out of the out of the kind of top three so excellent you know they're all going for gold in rio and you know now that i'm not this is this this is for your podcast not for the bbc yeah i can uh completely say that i'm 100 percent biased and want her to win you're, not allowed, the to, other you're two. not allowed to say that on air well i think everybody knows it because you know yeah. obviously yeah. I, that cats my girlfriend but it's like you can't, you have to be professional. I can't okay. really go on BBC and be like, you know, I want her to win, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Cause like, 
big thing about the BBC is impartiality. Okay. And, and you know, making sure you give everyone a fair mention and all the rest of it. But like yeah. now that I'm not on the BBC, I would say screw the other two. <laughs> I don't care if they get injured in the first race. <laughs> it is what it is. I just want Cat to win. Standard, standard. Yeah. Um, how how is it going to feel going out to Rio watching a watching her perform? Hard, man. Like it's it's. I tweeted this on the weekend, um, just gone because I went to the the London anniversary games, um, and it's the only time in my life, in in all things that I do, when I'm actually nervous. Don't get nervous when I'm on the radio. Yeah, I probably did when I first started, but now don't get nervous at all. Don't get nervous when I when I'm on the telly doing TV stuff. Don't get nervous when I'm talking about myself or doing things about myself. But when I watch Cat. It's nerve-wracking, man, because you've got zero control. You cannot do anything. You can't affect the result in any way. You can't offer her any advice. You just can't do anything. It's really, really difficult. It's a really weird feeling as well. Like, the first time I watched Cat Live, Moscow World Championships 2013, um, I went out to Moscow. I actually surprised her. I didn't tell her I was going, which... I could have picked an easier place to go. Moscow, you need to, to go to Russia, you need to get a visa and all this mad shit. Like, it was so hard to keep it secret, but I managed to do it. And uh, I watched her out there and it was just like, it was really hard, man. Especially the 800 metres, because she was still in the running for a medal back then. Because she's, she's come on leaps and bounds since since 2013. Like, she back then, she she that, that was the first championships when she was actually a medal contender. Uh, the one before that was obviously the London Olympics, but she was only 19 then and she came 15th and was never a medal contender. She was just someone who was happy to be there. Um, going into the 800 metres, which was the final event, because it's points based, it was like if she beat if she beat somebody by a certain amount of time and then the, the, uh, the person behind her didn't finish within a certain amount of time of her finishing, she would have got the bronze medal. And that's what I mean by it's quite confusing, especially when it comes to the last event, because it's like you get, it's literally like a set amount of points for each time in the 800 metres. So if you do it in two minutes and five seconds, you'll get like a load of points. But like the person that you might be rivaling for a medal might be really crap at the 800 metres and their personal best might be two minutes and 30 seconds. So it's like they have to try and hang on to you to try and keep up with you. Otherwise, you'll overtake them on points. Do you get what I mean? So it's confusing. But once you understand it, it's mad exciting because instead of just concentrating on who comes first in the race in 800 metres, where like the regular 800 metres or the regular 100 metres or whatever, you're just concentrating on who comes first. Usain Bolt's come first there. Whereas in the heptathlon, it's strategic. It's like the, the girls and the guys in the decathlon will know I need to kill myself to make sure that Dave doesn't finish 10 seconds before me because if he does, he's going to overtake me. You know what I mean? So it's like there's loads of little personal battles that go on. And and the thing is, in the UK, we've always had a strong tradition in the heptathlon. I just And, and the multi-events in, in, in general, I'll throw out a few, a few names. In the decathlon, we've got still arguably the greatest ever British Olympian, in Daly Thompson, who a lot of people think is my girlfriend's dad, because her name is Thompson. Thompson Johnson, yeah. Yeah, yeah Johnson Thompson. Johnson Thompson. Yeah. Oh, I was getting the wrong way around. Johnson Thompson. Her yeah. name is uh, Thompson, 
but that's her dad's name. Like uh, Daley Thompson is is not her dad, um, and he just does the decaf. He did the decathlon, and she does the heptathlon. So I can see why people think it. Uh, so Daley Thompson, greatest ever British Olympian decathlete. Denise Lewis, um, heptathlete. Mary Peters done the heptathlon as well. Um, then you've got um, Jessica Ennis Hill, of course. Um, Kelly Southerton, Denise Lewis, Cat. So you know we've got a great tradition of people in the heptathlon, and it's it's for me it's mad because like we got together just after London 2012. We got together actually at like the well, the first time I met her was a um, one extra live the, the the concert that the radio station I work for put on in Liverpool she was there and we were already following each other on Twitter so like I just found her put in a little chirps you know what I mean? <laughs> did you did you actually approach her yeah? yeah 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 like like she she actually what happened right is she engaged the conversation she tweeted me um I was doing warm-ups on the night so I was DJing whilst the venue was filling up and uh on the stage and she just tweeted a picture of me DJing to me added me in the in the in the uh in the tweet and then uh, I just tweeted her back like where are you terminator thing you know what i mean <laughs> where are you yeah. <laughs> where are you i am coming to you now G- get in the chopper <laughs> if you want to live so yeah man had to just find her in the venue and then like that was it really like obviously met her and then um like we we we, we didn't officially get together until like january mm. um but you know that's when i, I met her in november Alright, cool. Almost four years ago from the time of recording this. So, um, you know, it's crazy to think we've been together that long. But the, the, the maddest thing about the story is the first time I saw Kat, I didn't know who she was. Never. I, you know, like I said, I'm, I, I've, I like athletics, but like, I'm, I, I'm like most people out there that like athletics. You only know people once they get big. Mm. You know, Kat was somebody who wasn't big before London 2012. She was one of the first British athletes to compete on the track because the heptathlon is always the first two days yeah. of the athletics, of the track and field. And um, she stepped out on the track and got a massive cheer and was like smiling and all the rest of it. And I was like, oh, who's this painting on my TV, fam? <laughs> I, was, I was like, who's this Scouse painting? It's like, I've got to get her on my radio show. This is generally the thoughts in my head. I was like, I've got to get her on my radio show because, you know, man, I like to chirps that. <laughs> and then... Uh, Got uh, I, I I we started following each other on Twitter. However that happened, I can't really remember. And then yeah, like that's the mad thing. It's it's crazy because you know I don't mean this now. When, when I say this, like, you know, I don't mean this in a in a patronising kind of way or in a any kind of way acting like you know my girl's so famous because when I first met her, she wasn't that big. She's got she's got bigger now. Admittedly, yeah. a lot of people know who she is now, but um. You know, like how dudes, we often we often see like famous girls on the TV or, you know, singers or whatever. And you might fancy them or and, but you think, oh, it's just unobtainable, man. I'm never going to meet them. I'm not, they never fancy me or whatever. Like I, you can do it. I've done it. Like, uh, do you know what I mean? Inspirational thing. You can do it. Yes, like Nick. what you fancy Rihanna. You can make it happen, fam. You know what I mean? Like, never say never. Obviously, like I said, I know Kat's not Rihanna levels or, 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 or whatever in terms of fame. You know, she was still somebody in the public eye. And it's like, you know, and, and I know because there's probably people listening to this and think, yeah, but you've got a job where, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I kind of just met her at a concert. 
like yes i was djing at the concert but like in the grand scheme of in the grand scheme of things like i just went into the crowd where she was sitting she was just in the crowd and i just just like chilled with her and like got to know her so like yeah it's just it's going good man like you know it's it's interesting how much her life has changed in the last four years and interesting how much you know my life has changed as well um and if you'd have said to me five years ago six years ago that i'd be dating an olympian i would have laughed my head off like because especially when because you know i don't dj as much now as i used to because um it's just it's just like hardcore going up and down the country especially when you do a weekend radio show and most of the dj bookings are on the weekend and blah blah blah. but when we first met each other our lifestyles were just like it was yin and yang it was you know one end of the spectrum to the other because you know with athletes a big thing about what they do about you know how they operate is not only diet but like sleep they they need a lot of sleep and like decent night's sleep before they train and then physio and keeping fit and blah 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 whereas i was a dj I was eating the Ginsters diet, service station specials, do you know what I mean, in the middle of the night, especially when, you know, all the like, hot food places are shut, so you can't even get, not that it's any better, but you can't even get, like, a Burger King or a KFC or whatever because they're shut in the middle of the night. It's literally, like, pork pies out of the fridge in WH Smith. It's awful. So, like, yeah, I've, like, I've adjusted my life quite a lot and a lot's changed in the last four years. Um and it's really interesting from my point of view to see the journey. We've actually changed location, Nick. I don't know. It, like, should we get some wild track for a few seconds and just like hold our mics in the air while you guess where we're at? Right. So, so where are we, Nick? Listen to that wonderful fountain. We're uh, <laughs> we're in Regent's Park now. Yeah. Um, not gonna lie, thought it was a bit warmer than it is <laughs> like i thought it was like the last few days have been mad hot in london even yeah. at night yeah but um i think this week's not meant to be as hot and like i can tell immediately by coming outside like, mm. it's not don't get, don't get me wrong it's not freezing it's nowhere near freezing but it's just like a little bit chilly you know what i mean yeah and the nips i don't i'm wearing yeah a bit nippy I'm wearing shorts. I don't think it's that cold where I'd look silly wearing no, shorts. No, 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 no. Because the sun's out as yeah. well. Let's just get that. You know, and it is there. early in the morning. Maybe maybe we've got a good day. Maybe it'll be yeah. sun's out, legs out. So um, we had to move location, but we were in the middle of talking about how your lives have changed. Yeah. Yours and Kat's lives have changed since you, you first met. So how have they changed? It's just changed a lot, you know. Like, she's obviously sacrificed a lot of things to be in a position that she's in now yeah um she's worked so hard in training and you know a lot of people don't see that stuff a lot of people don't see how much sacrifice athletes professional athletes make you just see them when they're on the tv and whatever and you just think ah you know what a great life but um it's really really stressful uh, and really really difficult she deals with it really really well and she just sees it as part of her life do you know what i mean i'm not saying that she's you know because she, she's not at all by she, by all means not somebody who's like crying about it and you know wants people to feel sorry for her because she's totally not like that but um you know last year she had a really really tough year with um what happened to her in the in the beijing world championships basically she made a big mistake in the long jump and didn't get any points, which meant she lost. Like she, she was in a gold medal winning position and she went from that to nothing. Right. Um, so that's taught her a lot. 
she would say anyway, you know, and she would have no problem with me saying this, you know, that that's something that it hurt a lot at the time. But like since then, it's kind of she's using it to spur her on in training to get that extra rep, you know what I mean? That extra push, yeah. everything. She uses that as, as inspiration almost. And, you know, from my point of view, I've said this to her as well, like, and, and you know, from, from the public's point of view and sports fans point of view, I think people will appreciate the fact that she's gone through some lows when she actually achieves the highs. Like, when she does well, people will remember how upset she was in China last yep. year. And, like, people love that, don't they? You know, it's like a story. Yeah, it's without sounding like a dick, it makes a great bit of narrative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? You know, like, and I'm, and I'm not likening your missus' uh, story to this, but, you know, an X Factor. Yeah. Everybody knows X Factor. If you don't, people, then, you know, you're living under a rock. But people love the the sob story, the yeah. someone in my family has died or, or yeah. I'm, I could have died and I'm almost here. So that bit of narrative is good for that side of things. But also, mate, it's, it's, it must have given her so much character as a sports person because she's managed to go through some lows and learn to manage those as yeah. well. Like that's, that must be an issue. Not an issue. That's something that you need to learn to be rounded in any sort of thing that you do. I also think that like, you know, at, at 23 years old, because she's only 23 now, um, you know, a lot of people compare her to Jessica Ennis Hill already, mm. who is the you know the, the reigning Olympic champion. Yeah, but Kat's actually a whole Olympic cycle ahead of schedule in terms of like if you if you base it on Jessica Ennis's career, Jessica Ennis Hill didn't win her Olympic gold medal until she was twenty six, which is an Olympic cycle away from where Kat is now at yeah. the next Olympics. So yeah. Tokyo 2020, yeah. Kat will be where Jessica Ennis was when she won her gold medal. So it's like, you know, the difference is Kat is, she knows she's good enough now yeah. to achieve it. Like, she has the talent. And I, I, When I say she knows she's good enough, I don't mean she, she knows she can walk in and win it. I just mean she knows she has the talent to achieve big things. That doesn't, doesn't guarantee her a gold medal at all. Yeah. Um, you know, and she never takes anything for granted. So, you know... We'll just see what happens. Like, you know, I can't I can't necessarily speak on her behalf in terms of, like, you know, how she's feeling going into the championships. But, you know, what I can say is I've seen all the training firsthand. I've seen all the sacrifice firsthand. And I've seen, you know, what she can do when she's in training. And it's amazing. I can't do it. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> what, what, what I was going to say, what impact has it had on your health and fitness, being with a professional athlete, a world-class um, professional athlete? Not as much as a lot of people think, like, in terms of, like, diet, right? People think that her diet is going to be mad vegetables and salad and blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, she does eat a lot of vegetables um, because she's just naturally healthy. But, like, actually, athletes who are losing so many calories and, 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 you know, nutrients when they're training, they have to replenish and and, uh, refuel. So, like, she'll eat, you know, a lot of chicken, Pro, like for, for protein steaks she can have as well so it's not quite as bad as people think in terms of like people go oh but what do you two do like when you go out surely like she's wanting to go to like you know vegetable places and like just get a salad and blah blah and i'm like no nah, not even like it's not it's not really like that at all like we can go to a burger place or or you know and she'll just get the um bunless burger or whatever do you know what i mean like so we can we, there's a lot of options out there but in terms of like general fitness i think what it has done is, is it's pushed me to go to the gym more than i was going 
Like, not not because, like, I want to be Wedge, because, like, I've got some, you know, complex about the fact that she's really toned or whatever, but it's, it's, more, it's more just, like, I can see what you can achieve through, like, just doing it. Like, I'm obviously not going to train as hard as she does because I'm not, I'm not flipping trying to be going to the Olympics. I think it might be a bit late for my uh, sporting career as well. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm definitely like more aware of what I can achieve in the gym, just just by going a couple of times a week. Even you know what I mean. And it, and like, it feels nice when you go to the gym. Like, it feels nice when you go to the gym and you come out and you're like, you know, I got a PB. Like, that's how sad I am about it. I count my PBs. But, like, you know, I lifted the heaviest weight I've ever lifted on that machine or whatever. Like, you know, like that. that sometimes that's nice. And surely she's got some good tips for you in terms of achieving PB and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and stuff like, like that. Like, that side of things comes in quite handy for the gym. Like, you know, she'll say to me, um, you know, what are your goals, what are you trying to achieve? And I'll be like, X, Y, Z. And she'll be like, well, you should do this machine, that machine for this many sets, this many reps, blah, blah, blah. Like, so that's that's kind of good, which, you know... It's kind of like having a free personal trainer, but no disrespect to any personal trainers listening. An Olympic athlete is probably better to have <laughs> than any of you guys. Do you know what I mean? Richard, the personal trainer, who's just perving up the girls in the gym. Yeah, Dave, who's getting yeah. everyone to do um, uh, touch their toes. That's normally what it is. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, face away from me, girls, and all touch your toes. Like, yeah. <laughs> you've got a little bit of arm on you now, actually, Nick. I can see the, I can see the bicep. The it's, bicep. Not, it's not as much as like it could be, but, you know, I'm... Like I said, I'm not going ham in the gym. Yeah. Like, I'm not living in the gym, like, yeah. you know, doing all that eat clean, train dirty. Like, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like, I, I haven't necessarily changed my diet, mm. but, like, I just go to the gym. Nice. It's also something to do as well, isn't it? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's something to do that's productive. Yeah. Isn't it? Listen to a good podcast or two when you're yeah, exactly. in the gym as well. It's like this one. Or how to kill an hour, you know. Or the, how to the, kill an hour, yeah. The, probably the best podcast out there. I, I would say, I would say. Well, you know what? Part of Marcus Meets is every episode we actually ask whoever we're talking to how they like to kill an hour. Right. And this is a bit weird because you sometimes are on how to kill an yeah. hour, talking yeah. about different ways to kill an hour. So, but how do you like to kill time? Do you know what? It, mine is mine is so boring. Like, mine is literally just to chill. But when I say chill, I mean just like relax sit down i'll maybe put on like the best example i can give you right is is on the weekend weekend's a good example because i, I do my radio show in the morning mm. so i'm on air 10 till 1 then i come off air i can normally get home by about 2 latest um and saturday for me is the perfect day because there's so many sporting events happening and that's the perfect chill for me like I just love watching pretty much any sport other than golf, snooker, things like that. There's a pigeon, a wood pigeon, like right in front of us. And we're not talking Pokemon. Yeah. Have you got your Pokeball? Maybe we can catch him. He's coming over here. Yeah, I know. This guy's mad friendly. He thinks, he thinks we're going to feed him. That's why. Have you noticed there's two different types of pigeons? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, really manky looking pigeon, ones. Though, it's a wood why. one, yeah. Yeah, the wood pigeons are the nice ones. The... Uh, that's not somebody, coming from the pigeon, by the way. Somebody it's, playing tunes. Yeah, just somebody walking past. Um, yeah. Yeah, the wood pigeons are the nice ones. The dutty ones the, are the rat pigeon yeah, the, looking. The, yeah, the pigiotos. But, um, but yeah, yeah, just passing time watching sport and just um, and chilling like that. Or, or beyond that, if I've actually got time to like properly chill, just get away. 
Like, mm. I'm mm. I'm getting really. The problem is I don't get much time to do them because most of the time I'd like I'd like to do them with with cat, but like city breaks and stuff like that. I, I'd I'd love to like you know you know when you see these people who just go to like Reykjavik for two days yeah. or go to Barcelona for two days. Like I, I'd I'd like to get quite into that, but again, her training schedule is a bit um bit mad. She trains every day and stuff. So who like trying to get time off is a bit peak. Will you get a bit of time off after Rio? Yeah, I think so. Um, generally, the kind of the major championship, which always happens in August time, is the last thing in her season. So um, this year it happens to be the Olympics. Last mm. year it was the World Championships um, in Beijing. The year before that, the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. So it's like after that, we'll get to go abroad somewhere. We haven't booked anything yet or got anything planned, but you know, in this day and age technology 2016 you can just go turn up the airport or whatever mm. you know what i mean like book something the day before so yeah, rio's well, nice as well huh? rio's yeah, nice not, as well stick around every little while yeah not too bad but i've got to come back for my for work innit oh yeah yeah your radio show yeah um one more thing nick bit of advice go on for any up-and-coming broadcasters if you could drop some knowledge on them for us please yeah something that i always tell people in this game is um you've got to have a thick skin like and i know that sounds like a cliche or i know it sounds like a bit of a cop-out or like something you hear all the time but the reason i say that is because most of the time people will always tell you when they don't like something that you do one two if you ever if you're lucky enough to to actually break in and 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 do a show and manage to become a, a presenter or whatever you just have to be prepared for you know listeners and people to not like what you're doing because they will tell you about it trust me if they if they don't like a link that you did or a joke you told or a story like they'll tell you um and finally you will hear no a lot in this industry uh, and the reason why i bring that up is because there's there's not that many djs on one extra in the grand scheme of things there's probably about 15 djs on one extra that's just off the top of my head like that's a number that i've plucked out i guess around that and um you know there's thousands of people that want to be on air so just because somebody says no to you doesn't necessarily mean they don't like you or they don't feel what you're doing or they don't think you're good it just means there's not a space available or you know for whatever reason it's not good for this particular moment in time so no in this industry doesn't mean no never it means no not right now and that's the way i always take it like you know if you're doing something and you believe in your talent and you think you're good enough and you genuinely listen to yourself and you put yourself against the likes of charlie sloth against the likes of trevor nelson against the scott mills against the nick grimshaws and 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 you think you know i don't sound a million miles away from those guys Mm. like and you're being genuine with yourself because that's something else you have to do like there's a lot of people in in this game both in music like as presenters but, but as also musicians people that aren't honest with themselves they think they'll listen to their music and it's like deadpan rubbish and they'll put it next to like Jay-Z and go, well, I think it's the same. Like you've got to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Like, and if you think that you are on the same level as those guys, just because you're getting told now, uh, no now, doesn't mean it's no forever. So just keep at it, perseverance. Like it sounds super cheesy, but on my junior school crest, the, the, like, the motto of the school was persevere and it's something that stuck with me throughout my whole life. Like, you know, you have to be prepared to keep going you have yep. to be prepared to chase something um and and you know easy come easy go 
if you get something quick, if you get something easy, there's no reason why it won't disappear next week. Exactly. Final thing that I'll say on it, to relate it back to everyday people that people, you know, can understand if they're not in broadcasting or not in the media, is you watch X Factor. You know, so many people watch X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, Pop Idol, blah, blah, blah. Look how many people have come from those shows. They might win it, they might not win it, but look how many people have come from those shows. They've got thousands of Twitter followers. So many people care about them whilst the show's on. They're super famous, blah, blah, blah. Two years later, they might still have a thousand, like thousands of Twitter followers or whatever, but nobody cares about them. Nobody's checking for them anymore because they got the fame and they got the, 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 you know, the audience really easily because they got put on this platform. Everyone knows who they are, but like they haven't done the groundwork. The groundwork is so important. If you can build a fan base and build, you know, followers and build your brand from the ground upwards, like the longevity is way better. And that's probably the most important thing that I've learned in this industry. Nick, that was a a knowledge bomb and a half, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much. Sorry about going on. No, that's all right. No, no, you, you know... Well, I want you to take away something from this and, and what Nick said there was definitely something that you could take away. And yeah, thanks for, for chilling, man, and, and, and getting involved with this Marcus Meets. Uh, if you've not heard enough of Nick, you can check uh, him out on How to Kill an Hour regularly, yeah. uh, our brother podcast. Um, it's a little bit different to this, would you say? How would you describe it compared to our quite mature conversation today? Um, well, we, we basically just managed to blag a load of like amazing experiences <laughs> for the sake of a podcast. Like That's, that's like how I'd describe it. But no, it's... It, it's it's a really useful podcast, actually, if you're looking for things to do, like you know, that is that a bit out of the ordinary, you yeah. know, because you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the time in this day and age, people get a bit bored just going to the same places, going to the club, you mm. know, whatever, whatever. On how to kill an hour, we basically do some madness. We like we've done zombie apocalypse experiences, secret R- agent experiences, rob banks, rob the bank, yeah, yeah like yeah. we've done all sorts of stuff. So like, if you're looking. For to do something a little bit zany, a little bit crazy, make sure you check out How to Kill an Hour. Um, and it's it's actually, like, a real interesting one for me in terms of, like, maybe if you've got a first date coming up and you're feeling a bit, you know, like you want to try something that might last in the memory. Yeah, you know what? And none of them have been bad ideas for first dates, you no, know? Like, I mean, maybe the zombie one might be a bit far because it's like yeah. you don't know enough about your first date to decide whether she wants to be rolling around <laughs> in an abandoned shopping centre, like ducking zombies. Yeah. But like the bank heist one, you, you, like that's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's loads of bars around where it is and stuff like that. So, you know, there's, there's loads to do. But yeah, definitely check out How to Kill an Hour for more information on all of that. You can get all the episodes uh, in the usual places, man. Defo. And where can we um, find you, Nick, online? Uh, I'm... I'm everywhere snapchat instagram facebook twitter nick bright dj on all of them got to keep it uniformed um and like genuinely if anyone needs any advice or is interested in you know radio and all the rest of it just just holler at me on any of those social networks man because i know how hard it was and how how difficult i struggled to get into the industry and how i just like just wanted anyone on the inside to just give me a leg up even if it's the tiniest little thing so yeah just shout me if you ever need any advice man you heard the man he's quite active on social media too proper good bloke that nick bright uh and i wish his missus all the best in this year's olympics which is happening as we edit this episode together um 
This show is produced and hosted by me, Marcus Bronzy. Thank you to the co-producers, Billy Wright, Shane Powell, David Shawcross. Special thanks to Milo Fisher, Wide Awake, a.k.a. CJ Beats and Jordan Crisp for the intro and outro music. You can listen to Marcus Meets via iTunes podcasts for Apple devices or Acast, which works with every single phone I know of. And if you're unsure of what will work with your device, head to marcusbronzy.com slash meets to listen any way you desire. We'd really appreciate it if you took the time to click that subscribe button and give us a rating and review. It helps us to reach more ears. If you're unsure how to do that, we've put a link in the description you can click on to give us a rating and a review. And if you really, really love us, you can become a patron of Marcus Meets and get access to bonus content, early episodes, exclusive merchandise deals and have input on actual show content. You can donate as much or as little as you want. Say a cup of coffee by going to marcusbronzy.com slash coffee. That's marcusbronzy.com slash coffee. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.